0: In the case of the digital twin, it's not just an operational thing or a planning thing. It's also a predicting thing. It's not just about predicting a static view of how something might be at a given time. It's also trying to simulate things. We play simulations to achieve a better outcome from what we have and we know the trajectory we should go to achieve that. I would challenge and say that it is impossible to create a digital twin without spatial built into it.
1: Welcome to the Esri and the Science of Where podcast. You just heard Jay Theodore, Esri's Chief Technology Officer for Enterprise and AI Technologies, explain how digital twins, powered by modern geographic information system technology, can help businesses and other organizations gain insights into real-world operations and assets. Esri CMO Mariana Cantor investigates how digital twins powered by location technology are being used to monitor performance and predict future states.
2: Well, hello, Che. Great to see you and welcome back to the Esri and the Science Aware podcast.
0: Hi, Mariana. Nice to be with you.
2: In your role as the Chief Technology Officer of the Enterprise and AI Technologies, you've had a lot of exposure to companies using these technologies to support their missions. Maybe you could help us understand how everyday companies and organizations bring all these capabilities together.
0: Sure, Mariana, I can do that. But before I jump into that, maybe um, I'll talk about why this is exciting. Technology is very intriguing and impactful, of course, but what are the core motivations for which we are using these or we uh, magnify these? I want to set a baseline about that and why we should care about them itself in the first place. So fundamentally, the adoption of any emerging or trending technology should really be driven by the kinds of problems that they solve. Any successful organization, I would say, is driven to innovate in very meaningful ways, driven by a greater purpose, and they typically improve the quality of life of all kinds on this planet. So speaking of purpose, organizations very much appreciate when kindness is also factored into the decision making itself. So that's a kind of reminder I wanna have for the rest of the conversation today before we jump deep into the tech itself.
2: What do you mean by kindness in this whole sort of business and organizational management world that we're in?
0: I think 2020 has been a unique year for all of us. We all know that it doesn't matter where you were during this time, you were impacted. And I think the biggest lesson that we probably learned from this is don't take anything for granted. And that includes the human touch that comes into everything that we do, the decisions that we make and so on. I think prior to 2020, I would say terms like cutthroat competition and trying to just get it was more important than... I would say having diverse thought processes, being accountable for the decisions that you made, uh, being transparent about it and so on, being open. So the common thread that goes through all of this is kindness. That is, you're kind enough to share the answers, you're kind enough to consider and so on. So I think that needs to seep into the decisions that we make with technology too.
2: As usual, we can take these conversations into 15 different directions. As economies are working to recover from the effects of the pandemic, give us an example of an organization that had to adjust its operations to comply with, let's say, restrictions that were placed by the COVID pandemic or some other COVID-related disruption where technology came to the rescue, if you will.
0: I think when we talk about examples, we can think about retail outlets. Uh, I'm not just talking about specific stores but the entire shopping center, the mall itself, uh, or we can talk about industrial complexes, office complexes, and so on. And as we went through this pandemic, there was a safety factor, who's in there at what time, and then if you have to uh, trace based on some outbreak, you know, having that information. It's also the compliance aspect, which is given this is the square footage of the place, given that this is the ventilation in this place, who can be in there at any given time, and for what purpose, and so on. So I would say that this is kind of related to Digital Twin, which was pre-2020, which was mostly about the physical and the natural world that we are in. But we left out a key player in that, in that Digital Twin creation, which is people. What we saw emerge with 2020 was movement matters, location matters. And of course, we know that people matter, their health matters, Uh, their behaviors matter. And bringing all of these things into the digital twin, into your geographic information system, then represent each of these characters, I would say, has become fundamental in addressing this issue. When we talk about digital twin, the simplest way that as humans we can imagine is When I think of a place, an object, a building, I'm constructing the real world in my brain. That's the twin in my head. All we are trying to do is trying to simulate that in a digital way. So as humans, we can reason out space and time. In other words, we know how to play the fast forward, pause, rewind buttons. We also know how to look at a map how to understand some things are far away, some things are nearer, some things take longer to get there, something shorter and so on. So time and space are very easily understood. The rest of it are all visual things that we know exist in these places, right? So I would challenge and say that it is impossible to create a digital twin without spatial built into it. This means you now know What is the volume of air that you have to push through your air conditioning system? At what time you have to do that? And how often in order to maintain a healthy air environment, who's coming in at what time and how many can be allowed in at any given time? And if something happens, how do you notify them? So there's tracing for a purpose where for the health of folks for the compliance reasons and so on you're trying to build a digital twin but you can see long terms benefits of this also i mean if you look beyond you know once we recover once we are hopefully out of this pandemic pretty soon then how do you use this kind of information it can be used for so many other purposes right which is for the fundamental safety of employees, to find out how the flow of traffic is within a place and appropriately create a better atmosphere and so on. So there's so much because of this pandemic that we've learned what is important and what is not and how to get it right. I'd say that we are trying to get it right for the next few decades. And uh, this is sort of like, you know, a good thing that has come out of it Uh, as much as this pandemic has been a true challenge for all of us.
2: I'm so glad that you're bringing up the digital twin. I wanted to contextualize my further question in a little bit of history. Uh, The digital twin concept originated in computer-aided design, in engineering, where an object was represented digitally, and this digital twin was used for all sorts of things, like 3D printing of the object, Designing new versions of that object, you know, simulating its functionality, et cetera, testing it, and so on, connecting with other objects. Anyway, so this digital twin concept has expanded, as you illustrate, to a whole bunch of other complex systems, natural systems, man-made systems, etc. So how realistic and how imminent is our ability to actually create and utilize these digital twins to solve problems with real efficiencies and benefits.
0: When we talk about digital twin, I think we need to recognize that different organizations see differently. Um, of course, the manufacturing industry has been doing the digital twin for the long, longest time as part of their automation and assembly line processes and so on. Uh, very process-driven, very machinery-centric, and so on, where the shop floor and everything is represented. Now, if you if you come down to what a typical digital twin represents, it needs to represent, I'll say, loosely objects. These objects, like we talked about earlier, can be uh, physical objects, natural objects. I mean, if you're representing a forest, of course, you represent the trees, you represent the soil, you represent the water that's flowing through, and so on. It can represent physical objects, like roads, buildings, and so on. It can also represent people playing different roles. Uh, I'll just call them characters, you know, are they employees, are they clients, Uh, are they suppliers, partners, and so on. Now, all of these things, when they get represented, we also have relationships between them. What is the impact if water does not flow through the stream? What is the impact if As part of this supply chain system, something does not arrive on time. Can the store open on time? Is it worthwhile? Because you don't have anything to sell or you have something to sell. So those are all the relationships that get created in that digital twin. And then there's the behavior aspect itself. What happens uh, when the doors open and hundred people come into a store at the same time? Is that safe or not? And so on, right? So when you fold all these things together, You have to study in your digital twin, there's a need to study the historic state of things. What happened earlier is sometimes going to give you a clue of what will happen in the future or how you can get something done right and better. So there's the historic state. And then you wanna have a dashboard of information of the current state of how things are. This is exactly the way it is and it's a real-time system. You have sensors collecting data and telling you how the operation is proceeding. Many care about it. And then, of course, you have the future state, you know, if something happens or and when I say something happens, it may not just be like a catastrophic something uh, like a pandemic, but it can also be a positive thing. Like if I want to increase productivity or if I want to increase sales, if I want to hire more people and so on, where are the best places to you know, have them work and so on? It's also the future state that you're going after.
2: Jay, can you share an example or two that helps us understand the unique benefits of a GIS-driven digital twin for organizations and industries?
0: Sure. I think the one that might resonate most with our audience without being industry specific would be representing the digital twin of a downtown area in a city for many purposes. For purposes of how much revenue can it generate for purposes of city planning itself, the rules and regulations that need to be followed as you make progress and build out, and also to have a live and breathing city where residents and visitors can enjoy the whole place, right? the quality of life itself. So in all three of these, you need to have a digital twin that represents exactly at a given moment, where things are and what is happening. And you need to be able to have a system, a foundational system that keeps a record of everything that happened in the past from the time you started these recordings. And then being able to accommodate and build out the future and present the various plans to various stakeholders. A GIS is designed just for that. GIS is a framework that lets you follow the patterns and practices that have been successfully implemented at scale. A GIS recognizes various roles. A utility worker's role is different from a city manager's role. A GIS is built to address the needs of all of these and more. The other thing about GIS is it builds on top of each other. By that, what do I mean? If you have natural resources coming in as various layers everything on the surface and below and then you incorporate all your building information your city plans and then you bring in what is inside each of these like 3d within the buildings the indoor spaces the furniture everything else and then you have movement information, sensor information, and so on. You're sort of like lighting up this digital twin, so to say. And then once you have like real time systems that are connected to it, it's a live and breathing digital twin in a digital world that represents the city in this case. So anyone can look at, and they're not going to look at the 3D version of the system to see whether today is a good day to go shopping, is the weather good? Instead, it's just going to be possible because it was all accounted for. And the way you want that information, it can be presented the right way. I think an example that's uh, going to be pretty exciting and very interesting in many places is clean energy. What is the impact and what is the plan and how do you achieve what you need to achieve in terms of your goals as far as clean energy is concerned? By clean energy, what I mean is let's take an example of a small city, a modern city or some city that's trying to modernize. Based on the traffic, the kind of vehicles that are flowing in and out, the parking structures that are there, the kind of outlets that you might want to put for charging stations, just this. If you just take the clean energy as it relates to transportation, there's so much that could be done in terms of studying the street network, the traffic patterns, the idling patterns in a city, when you're going somewhere and you want to charge with the current technologies, charging a battery, the time it takes, let's say you're going on a long travel or something, is quite different from charging in a typical gasoline station, right? So there's behavior that needs to be studied, there's the impact of, people and the uses, and your eventual goal that you're trying to you know, go after. So clean energy, I think, is an area where creating a digital twin, trying to find out what are the ideal locations for each of these things and how people's behaviors are related. You know, Do most people charge and use a charging station when they park their vehicle and they go shopping? And what kind of shopping would they go for and feel comfortable doing this? All of those things can be rolled and there's customer behavior, there's location, there's how many steps. So I would say that we have the last mile problem for clean energy, which is how do you connect the energy distribution system with the consumer Mm -hmm. effectively?
2: All these examples that you gave are of physical environments or realities that we live in that are very dynamic, constantly changing. And the digital representation of these physical environments needs to keep up. So how real-time is real-time?
0: It only needs to be as real-time as it should be and necessary. I think we shouldn't overdo it. We need to ask ourselves a question because we don't want to flood the system with too much of data that is not used. But then if you take everything we talked about, the way you look at it from a GIS perspective from a geographic information system where these objects have attributes and these objects exist in a place, in a location. They might be moving objects or stationary objects. So either time or space or attributes, at what frequency are they being updated and what kind of analysis are you planning to do on it is going to dictate the real timeness of each of these things.
2: And you mentioned GIS, geographic information system, a more popular term that I've seen recently is spatial computing. And in fact, Scientific American in its predictions of the 10 fastest growing technologies, name's sp- spatial computing is one of them. And it says spatial computing is at the heart of the digital twin scene and is the next step in the ongoing convergence between the physical and the digital worlds. It digitizes objects and people that connect via a cloud, allows sensors and motors to react to one another and digitally represent the real world. So what is the role of GIS in this digital twin scene, as the scientific American calls it?
0: So do- expand on that code. So if your data has a location, the compute needs to understand that. So you need to have spatial compute. And what is really spatial compute in that aspect? It's all the algorithms that take into account the location and apply it to giving you the answers. So I would say it's like, it's very, very deeply rooted in creating a digital twin. And now all we're talking about is, whether the digital twin is at the scale of inches or at the scale of miles and so on, right? Just the granularity of it. Is it a digital twin of a city or a block group or a building or within the building itself?
2: Yeah, that's really exciting. And I don't know if I'm taking us off on a tangent, but there's also work being done digitalizing people for healthcare purposes and uh, creating virtual patients to do studies with. So I think that digitization is, like you said, all sorts of granularities of our reality from cell level to city level and everything in between.
0: I, I think that's a very interesting and exciting area. So the first thing I would say is that in the case of the digital twin, it's not just an operational thing or a planning thing. It's also a predicting thing and to predict. Now, this pandemic is a most extreme form of a disaster, right? But when we talk about digital twin at different scales, we also need to be resilient to change. Not all change is good. So how can you insert the bad actors or the germs in this case, and then study the resiliency factor of the digital world that you've created without actually doing it in the real world? Now, this could be done in a hospital setting. You know, What if something went wrong, whether it's an equipment malfunction, okay? Or it is a human error that occurred in a critical location. How do you then control the safety of everyone in that space and beyond? And do you have the right processes and procedures in place? Now, traditionally what we would say is, We'll send out an email for a couple of hours. There will be this exercise that we go through. It's very choreographed. And there's only so many things you can do because it's practically done in that space. Same thing with drills in school, right? Um, But imagine doing the drill in the digital twin. It costs you nothing and you can take it to the extreme. Okay, so you can insert these things and you can see what comes out of it. And that will give you a better understanding that in the real world, if it happens, are you prepared for it? Are you resilient for it? You can share that knowledge, you can gain the understanding and you can make better decisions. Similarly, what can you just automate this so that they run at periodic intervals? Okay, So you don't need to keep watching these simulations. They just keep happening because they're fully automated. So that's the next thing you could do. And then the third one is, At the end of it, you want to have the whole system in your digital world, your digital twin, be fully automated and run autonomously. Your real world may not be autonomous yet, but in the digital world, it can be. So it's sort of like a 24-7, 365 monitoring and alerting system. So it's helping experts by gathering information and studying them and then presenting it as quickly as necessary. So those are the benefits of, you know, trying to bring this into a digital twin.
2: As always, a very thoughtful and inspiring conversation. Thank you, Jay.
0: Thank you, Mariana. It was great having this conversation with you.
1: Thank you for listening to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. And thanks to Jay Theodore for explaining how modern GIS technology is foundational to creating highly accurate, successful digital twins. If you liked this episode, please take a moment to rate Esri and the Science of Wear podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about how location intelligence enables digital transformation and drives growth, visit esri.com forward slash DX.